In your Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3, we begin reading in verse number 1. Our message uh, will cover verses 4 to 15. I want to start in the beginning because we're beginning to understand that God is our Father, and when we're saved, we're the children of God. I'm telling you, I get encouraged to know that my Father is the same guy that created all that is. It's an encouraging thing to know that God is our loving Father. And uh, when you have a dad, there are outstanding characteristics that a father passes on to his children. And when we come to this passage of Scripture in our message today, we're going to look at these and see a couple outstanding characteristics of the children of God that testify to the fact whether or not you're actually his child or not. And today's message is titled this, Whose Kid Are You? Whose Kid Are You? And so let's look in uh, chapter 3 of the book of 1 John, follow along with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And we come to this passage of Scripture... And we're talking about being the children of God, sons and daughters of the Lord himself. And the Bible says something about the sons and children of God. The Bible says in verse number 9, look at it with me. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, that's a tough statement, isn't it? Now, when you read the pa passage of Scripture, and the first thing that you see when you read a passage of Scripture is an alarm bell. Uh, I don't know about you, but the first time I read this, I think, ding, 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 ding. Does not compute. Does not compute. And I'll tell you why. Because I know that I'm saved. 
I know that I am the child of God. I'm certain of that. But I also know that there are times when Cody Sturgill gets in the flesh. I know that you're shocked. But you talk to Ruth about that. She'll know. She knows. And a lot of you know, too. There are times that I say things I shouldn't. I respond in ways that I shouldn't. And if you're the same as me, would you say, on the count of three, oh me, not amen, oh me, one, two, three, oh me, yeah. So how do I reconcile this? And I'll tell you, it's a good thing. When you have these big questions in Scripture, it's most of the time it's a great opportunity to study your Bible and understand more about God and His Word. And you'll find out God's Word is always true. So we look at verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That word commit is, has the idea of a habitual committing of sin. It's the practice of sin. It's continual, nonstop, not, not, not even nonstop, but continual sin. And the Bible makes it plain that saved people cannot live in habitual sin. Why? Because your father, God, is going to take you to the woodshed and convict you of your sin and require that you repent of that sin. Does that mean you don't sin ever? No, we deal with sin. As a matter of fact, earlier in chapter, in chapter number 1, dealing with saved people, the Bible says in chapter 1 of 1 John, it tells us that if you say that you have no sin... You make God a liar. The truth's not in you. How do I reconcile those two things? Well, I'll tell you. The word commit, commit sin. It means habitual sin. It means continual sin, living in the habit of sin. It means excusing sin. I want to remind you of something. This may seem so silly to some people, but it's so important. There is still such thing as sin. We live in a society that excuses away every type of ill, wicked behavior as that's how I was made. It's because of what somebody else did to me. That's who I am. That's how I was born. Yada, yada. You were born now. You are born a sinner. And sin has to be dealt with. So the Bible says here, if you are a child of God, whosoever is born of God, doth not commit sin. He doesn't live in the habitual sin because God's going to... Work with you. It says, for, in verse 9, his seed remaineth in you. You're the child of God. You, God's children can't continually live in, a, in sin. You become so miserable that you have to get right. For his seed remaineth in him, verse 9, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You cannot continue in sin. Verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest. What's that mean? Manifest. It means it proves that you are a child of God if you cannot live in continual sin. It proves that you're a child of God. It's one of the proofs. But that's not the only proof. There's actually two in this passage of Scripture. And the second one is this in verse 10. The Bible says, And the children of, de- of the devil, in contrast, and the children of the devil are these, Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, Neither he that loveth not his brethren. The Bible says there's two evidences that you're a child of God. One is that you cannot continually live in sin and be okay with it. And two, you love the brethren. These are characteristics of your parentage. 
These are characteristics of who your father is. These are characteristics of who you're a child of. And so today's message is titled this, Whose Kid Are You? Whose kid are you? And you should ask that question. Am I a child of God? Am I saved? Do I know the Lord is my Savior? If the answer is yes, praise Him and live for Him. The answer is no. You've come to the right place. Because we'd love to show you how you can know for sure that heaven is your home by putting your trust in Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation. Whose kid are you? There are certain things that cannot be denied when you have certain parents. For me, for instance, growing up in a small town with the last name Sturgill, you can't deny it. You have no idea how many times growing up people looked at me and said, is your daddy Pete Sturgill? And I said, no, that's my uncle, and I like him. I'm too tall to be Pete's boy. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, Pete. I I didn't do that in the early service because you couldn't take up for yourself. Many times, are you Pete Sturgill's boy? I guess it's our good looks, Pete. But, I mean, not everybody can be trusted with this. A little shorter, a little thicker. I mean, God bless with good looks. I'm sorry to the rest of y'all. Sturgill. I, you can't, I couldn't deny I've been a Sturgill my whole life. I remember every, people would come to me and say, Hey, you're a Sturgill, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a Sturgill. I can see it all over your face. I said, you know how to get... See how many Sturgills you can get in a Volkswagen? I'm like, yeah, put a quarter in the back seat. And uh, the, uh, that was always the joke. So at any rate, uh, I'm a Sturgill, I can't deny it. Uh, I was uh, in college, got to travel and sing and preach. and uh, I went to churches all over the country and... My uncle Cecil Sturgill pastored the same church for 50 years. And there was a lot of folks who had gotten to know Cecil through the years. And I'd go and introduce myself in a church as Cody Sturgill from Chilhowee, Virginia. And immediately people, you could watch people. They're like, oh, wow, I know his daddy. And I'd, they'd come to me and I'd say, I know, they'd say, I know your dad. I said, no, you don't know my dad. You know my great uncle. That's, he's Cecil Sturgill. And we looked like we got this big double chin, thick face, and preachers, and, you know, immediately they thought, I know you're dead. And so there's these characteristics that you can't deny. There's these characteristics that go along with you. If you have a dad that is a Sturgill, then you can't help but have some Sturgill-like features, and that's okay with me. I was uh, ran to a guy not long ago. He, he spent some time with me, and uh, we, we actually played golf together. And he said, I've been watching you. He said, there is no denying that your dad is Daniel Sturgill. He said, you've got so many of his mannerisms. I said, there's no denying that he's my dad, and I'm glad. And you can't deny who your father is because there's going to be certain things that come out inevitably because of your parentage. Now, if you are the child of the Most High God, there's some things that are going to be true about you. And in God's Word, we have two characteristics that show up and will tell us whose kid you are. Whose kid are you? Are you a child of God? Are you saved? Oh, I pray the answer is yes. And here's some things that will help us to discern and determine if we are the children of God. And the Bible says in verse number 4, if you'd look at it with me, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Number one, I want you to, if you're taking notes, to write this down, but to know this. The children of God, number one, the children of God will not live in habitual sin. 
The children of God will not live in habitual sin. I promise you, I'm not teaching a work salvation. But I am telling you, if you're saved, it will change the way you live your life. Saved people live different. The children of God live differently. And the children of God will not live in habitual sin. They will not practice sin. They will not continue in sin. It's one of those things. They will not excuse sin. The Bible says in verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Here's the big question. What is sin? Well, the Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. So how do I find out what sin is? Now, I'm just telling you, there's all kinds of people who are working with definitions and lots of folks who are trying to get rid of the word sin altogether. But you shouldn't. We can't. It's not right. Sin is the transgression of the law. I'm just going to tell you right now, there are things that you can do that are against God. There are things that you can do that are wrong. There are lives that you can lead that are sinful and against God. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. Where do I find out what's right and wrong? Well, we need to go to the greatest source of of understanding. It's the Word of God, and the law tells us what's wrong and what's right. We go to the Old Testament, and the Bible begins to teach us things about what's right and what's wrong. You have things like the Ten Commandments and the law, and there's, a great, there's, there's, there's ways to understand and apply these truths and what is right and wrong, and they're right. It's wonderful. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not kill. It's just a starting place. The Bible gives us great instruction about what is sin, what is right, what is wrong. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not... You fill in the blank. There's lots of laws. And when we sin, we transgress the law of God. There are sins, and sin is a real thing. When we sin against the law, we ultimately sin against the lawmaker... The children of God will not live in habitual sin. Well, the Bible says in verse number four. I'm sorry, verse number five. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So now we talk about Jesus. Now, why in the world did Jesus come to Bethlehem's manger? Why did Jesus live and die on the cross and was buried and rose again? Why did he do that? So we could have a great story to tell? Why did he do that? So he could show us what real love was? That's one thing, and the story's a good thing. But I'll tell you, Jesus came to earth with a purpose. And early in the Christmas story, the angel of the Lord gives us some insight into God's purpose in sending Jesus. The Bible says that he's come to save his people. From there, what's that next word? Sins. Why'd Jesus come? To help you take care of your sin. To forgive you of your sin. To redeem you from the curse of sin. Jesus came to take care of sin. Now, if Jesus came to take care of sin, in him was no sin. He was perfect. He's the perfect sinless Savior. Verse number 6, the Bible says this, Whosoever bindeth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So the Bible says, look, if you live habitually in sin, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. If you live habitually in sin, you're not abiding in Christ. You're probably not saved. 
If you can live habitually in sin with no conviction, then I want you to know something. Your father is not working in your heart and is probably not your father at all. It's never my burden to shake people loose from their salvation experience. But I'll just tell you something. If you've prayed some prayer or had some religious experience or troubled the waters in a Baptist baptistry or you attend church or put a tithe in the offering or something like that and you're anticipating that some religious act is going to satisfy the righteous demands of God, you are barking up the wrong tree. You see, if we're going to go to heaven when we die, it's going to be because we received by faith the Savior into our life and Jesus Christ saves us and seals us and we're born again, changed. It's not religion that saves us from the penalty of hell. It's relationship with Jesus. It's when we come to the realization that we're sinners and we know that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that we're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for our soul's salvation and God does a work in our hearts when we get saved. And I just want to tell you, if you're living in sin, you're not abiding in Christ. Whosoever abides in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Verse number 7, listen to this. Little children. This is a sweet, this is sweet. He's, hey, listen, I want to help you in case you're being deceived or misunderstanding. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. He says, don't be deceived. If a person lives righteously, not perfect, but lives righteously, that means that that's a good sign, I should say. That's a good sign that they're saved. Even as he, Jesus, is right. Don't be deceived. It is possible to have had some religious experience and never received Jesus by faith as your Savior. It's possible to attempt religious exercise and have never received Christ by faith as Savior. And one thing that God says you can tell by is if you're able to live habitually in sin with no conviction of that sin, you're not the child of God. See, the children of God will not live in habitual sin. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. It continues. Verse number 8. The Bible says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Look. If you live habitually in sin with no conviction, you need to be asking the question, Whose kid am I? Do I belong to God? Am I truly saved? The Lord wants to work in your heart. You see, the children of God will not live in habitual sin. The Bible continues. Verse number 8, verse number 9, I'm sorry. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest. Hey, look, one of the great signs that you're a child of God is that you cannot live habitually in sin. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but you can ask this question in your heart. How many of you have a sin that easily besets you? Temper, bitterness, and it may be just anything. You have a sin that easily besets you, and every time you do that, 
the Holy Spirit of God just beats you half to death. How many of you understand that feeling? Yeah. Amen. You know what you need to do every time the Holy Spirit beats you half to death? You need to say, thank you, Father, for being a loving Father and not letting me get by with this. But if you sin and live in sin and just seem to be able to keep on keeping on, and then maybe, just maybe, you're not the child of God after all. You see, I don't want to shake you loose. But I don't also want to be the preacher that makes this world a better place from which to go to hell. And one of the evidences that you are a child of God is that God, when you sin, he convicts you. Hallelujah. And one of the evidences that you're not is if you live habitually in sin and just seem to be able to always get by with it. Whose kid are you? Number one. The children of God will not live in habitual sin. Number two, the children of God will, number two, love the brethren. Now, look what the Bible says in verse number 10. The Bible says, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. We've talked about that, right? If you don't live, uh, if you live a sinful life habitually, you're just not one of God's children. And the Bible says, neither He that loveth not his brother. So the Bible says, now look, here is a big category, all sin. If you live habitually in sin, you are not the child of God. And then it says specifically another sin. Now I'll just tell you, the next thing we talk about is still a sin. And it qualifies as sin under the first category. But God, in his wisdom, understands how we think. And he says, not only am I going to talk about all sin, but I'm going to talk about one specific sin that you need to pay close attention to. And it is the sin of bitterness, hatred, and a failure to love the brethren. You know that this is important that we note And I think God knows that it needs to be said and said specifically because loving the brethren is something that we tend to excuse. I wrote this. It's no wonder that the love of the brethren is included here. It is the sin we most often excuse as justifiable. How how many times have I heard this? (laughs) You have no idea what they did to me. I have every right to be as mad as I am. You have no idea what we've been through. I have every right to never speak to that person again. And I want you to know something. When you live a life rich with unforgiveness, you evidence in your life and by your actions that you are not the child of God. Now look, bitterness is something that we all have got to deal with. But God says here, look, you need to love the brethren. Let's just look at the text. It says here in verse number 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Earlier in the book of 1 John, we talked about this, the old commandment, the new commandment. The old commandment is love the brethren. The new commandment is different. And the new commandment is love the brethren. 
They sound the same, but they're different. The old commandment is love the brethren in light of the Old Testament. The new commandment, love the brethren, is different because it is love the brethren in light of the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, who had no sin yet, took on the sins of the whole world and forgave us all who are undeserving. The new commandment says love the brethren and forgive like Jesus forgave. It's different. And so the Bible says, now look, you need to know something. There's a commandment that we've had and heard from the beginning. We are to love one another. Verse number 12, not as Cain. Not as Cain. You remember Cain? He had a brother. What was his name? One, two, three. Abel. Cain and Abel had brothers. They had parents. Whose parents? Uh, who were the parents to Cain and Abel? Give me the, the dad's name. One, two, three. Adam. That's right. He was the very first man. Who was, their, who was their mama? Who's your mama? Eve. Adam and Eve. My sister came up to me after the more early service, and she said, you should have named, titled that message, Who's Your Daddy? And you should have done it. I said, I thought about it. I thought better. But uh, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. I don't know about you, but for years I had trouble remembering for sure which one was the bad apple. I remembered how to remember Cain. He was always raising Cain. The one that raised Cain is the one that was bad. So Cain was bad. Abel was good. To make a long story short, Cain and Abel offered a sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord had given specific instructions as to what to bring. Cain brought what he wanted to bring. Abel brought what God required. Cain, because God received Abel's sacrifice and Abel had done the right thing, Cain was mad at Abel and Cain's anger rose up in, Abel, in, Cain, in his heart and he murdered Abel. The Bible says in verse number 12 our text, not as Cain who was... Of that wicked one. Now the Bible just says, now look, Cain, he was of the devil. I mean, he wasn't born of God. He wasn't abiding in the Lord. He wasn't living without sin. Cain, don't live as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And the Bible asks a question, look at this. And it says, and wherefore slew he him? Why in the world did Cain slay Abel? Why did Cain murder Abel? And here's what the Bible says. Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. God in his word says the reason Cain slayed Abel was because Cain's works were evil. Cain was evil. Cain did the wrong thing. Now, this is fascinating to me to think about. You know, we say all the time, the Bible says for us to love the brethren. And I hear all the time, I look, I'll love everybody, but I'm not going to love my sister. She's horrible. I'm not talking about the one I've got, the two I've got. But for example, I'm not going to love my sister. You don't know what she did to me. You don't know what happened. You don't know how bad it's been. You don't know how it kind of grief. No, I don't have to. But you've got, as a child of God, you have to forgive that person. And you know what the Bible says? If you will not forgive, and I'm not talking just about a family member. If you will not forgive anybody that you've got a bitter grudge against, 
If you leave unforgiveness in any of your heart, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says whose fault it is. The Bible said Cain murdered his brother because of the evil that was in his in Cain's heart. What did Cain think he said? Cain thought he was murdering Abel because it just wasn't fair. And Abel uh, was a smart elk. And Abel, did, did, I didn't deserve this. And Abel did this. And Abel, 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 Abel. And he thought Abel is the reason why I'm murdering Abel. But God said the reason why Cain murdered Abel is because Cain had evil in his heart. And the reason we hate other people is because we have the tendency in our hearts to be wicked and sinful. If your heart's right with God, guess what happens? God gives you the ability to forgive folks. And if you're here and you're saved and bitterness and unforgiveness is a sin that you deal with, and I'm just telling you, all of us are going to have to deal with it through, throughout our lives. If bitterness is a sin that you deal with and you think there's people in your life that you can't forgive, I'm going to tell you, your sin is not them. Your sin is your sin. You're the problem. You see, when we're dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness, it's not he did this to me when I was 11 years old and therefore I'm going to... No, that's not the right logic. When you're tempted to be bitter and angry at anybody, especially Christian brothers and sisters, you've got to remember that you are the problem. You see, you can't fix anybody. You can't convince somebody that you're right. You can't get people to think the way you want them to think. You can't fix other people. How many of you have tried to fix other people and realized you can't fix other people? It don't work. And so what we do is when we get so tired of trying to fix people and this, this person or that group of people hurting us over and over again, and it happens, it's part of life. We get so tired of, and we think, my, I can't fix this. And next thing you know, you stay angry and bitter at them. It's not their sin that is your problem. It's your sin that is your problem. Because when we live in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we remember that God has forgiven us of all of our sins, when we live in the light of the fact that though I am hell-deserving, God loves me and forgives me anyway, then we have the ability through Christ and through that perspective to say, you know what, they've done me wrong, but I'm going to forgive them and love them anyway. Now, there's no doubt bitterness that has to be dealt with in all of our hearts. But let me tell you, if you can live for years and years and years and years and not forgive. If you're still nursing, nurturing the same grudge that you've been nurturing and nursing for the last 25 years. and There's never times when you get it right. Just maybe you need to find out whose kid are you. Who do I belong to? Whose kid are you? You see, the children of God will love the brethren. Don't take my word. I know this is tough, but don't take my word. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number 14, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You see, when you come to grips with the fact of how much you got when Jesus saved you, you can't help but love other people, even and especially the most unlovable. It's one of the glorious fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the love of God and forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 15, 
Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. That's pretty plain, isn't it? How many of you thought this morning as I came in the door, I'm going to be convicted of murder today in today's sermon? Now look, 1 John, the Apostle John says, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. You know who else says the same thing? Jesus. He says, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of the sin of murder. Murder, you bunch of murderers. In all sincerity, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness is something that God wants to help you with. And I understand there's lots of folks who struggle in this world. But if God's convicting you because of your sin of unforgiveness, you give it to him and 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 trust him for the victory. But by all means, if you've lived in bitterness and anger, towards other people for year after year after year after year you need to ask the question whose kid am I? Who do I belong to? Forgiveness is an evidence that you're a child of God. Verse 15 says whosoever hated his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. It's pretty plain isn't it? No murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. If you're continuing to murder with a bitter spirit, an anger towards any person, let me tell you something. You've either got to repent of that as the child of God and get it right, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you, or you've never been saved. And you know what's exciting? You come to a moment like this and, you know that you're battling with habitual sin. And maybe the first time the Holy Spirit's showing you, hey, you're lost. The, the guilt of sin is rich in your heart right now. You say, I know I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. You know what's wonderful? You've come to a place that has the good news. But we, we don't say, you're a sinner, too bad. When God shows you and you see and you understand that you're a sinner. Listen, there's hope. That's why Jesus came. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life to pay the price for your sins. Somebody had to pay the price for sins. The only way that your sins could ever be paid for was a perfect sinless sacrifice, a Savior. And that Savior is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, the sinless Son of God. He was buried and died, and three days later he arose again. He defeated death, hell, grave, and conquered all sin. He arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again. Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And that sense of guilt that you feel right now is the Holy Spirit of God saying, you need me, you need me, you need me. What do you need? You don't need, it's not, it's not that you need to start coming to church more faithfully. That'd be good. It's not that you need to get baptized. That'll be good. It's what you need is you need to repent of your sins. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the only Savior. You put your trust in Christ and Christ alone is for your soul's salvation and he'll begin a relationship with you today. The relationship of a father to a child. Whose kid are you? The children of God will not live in 
and habitual sin. The children of God will love the brethren. Whose kid are you? Who do you belong to? I hope it's God. If not, oh, today's the day that you turn from your sin and put your trust in Christ and Christ alone before it's eternally too late. Let's pray.